Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Don't be turning them lights too bright, though. <laughs> Woo! I'm just kidding. Everybody look around somebody and tell them how awesome they look today. Y'all sure are good looking. Yep, yeah, yeah, I see some good looking people out there. Praise the Lord. Look at these smiles and these laughs. Amen. Hallelujah. It and God good. You have, um, you ought to smile and, and get excited. I'm telling you, I got to travel around yesterday and just see the hands of the Lord moving in mighty ways. And we just thank you, God, for letting us be a part of Ebenezer's celebration yesterday to, to kick off the reopening of Ebenezer Park. One of the men that comes here, he's working this Sunday morning, but he's the park superintendent of Ebenezer Park. And, and Don Perkins' um, men's group got over there, and they cooked, um, I don't know, 700 hot dogs. And um, it was funny, um, the God had the short men on the grill and had the tall men over there wrapping hot dogs, and, and they were, they'd been over for two hours straight. So we just pray for their backs this morning that Don and I were able to, to just um, battle that hot, torturous grill. <laughs> while these men work but the Lord just moved in a mighty way and, and Pat did a wonderful job just giving praise to God and just um, how he spoke and then secondly Barbara and I went and left and we went over to Confederate Park where Tyler Neal and and other churches were just um, teaming together to um, see God's hand move and there were men there that had been through our hand, uh, hand up outreach center came up and hugged me and said you don't remember me but a year ago y'all gave me a two-piece suit and you told me to hang in there that God was in control I'm here to tell you today that, that that was about a year ago, and I'm in this church over here, and I'm here with them, and they're housing me, and, and, and God is good, and he had his Bible with him, and he was quoting scriptures, and he said, I don't, I'm not going back to that life. God's delivered me from that. And it just lets us see that, the, that God's hand is not just in this room. It's everywhere. It's going all over this world as the churches unite together. And then just being able to finish up yesterday evening at a hand up and just seeing how, how Mike and Connie and Lowry was just working together to be able to serve the community through a hand up. And knowing that Garrett and Maddie and the family was down there cleaning up the property at Reed Road. And it was just like one of them days like, man, God, you're pretty awesome. I took a nap in the middle of the day, and I didn't even tell them, and all this was still happening. So y'all can fuss at me later on about that. So you wanted me to be able to speak clearly today. So give God praise for that. And um, today we're kicking off a new series. And um, if you have your Bibles with you and you want to open up, it's, we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy. The Deuteronomy is an Old Testament book, so it's towards the front of your Bible and um, it, it is, um, it's a wonderful piece of scripture. And, and I'm telling you, if you want to go specifically to it and you want me to get you there, just go to um, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. You don't have to put them up on the screen yet. I'm going to do a little bit of setting it up because this is the new series. And the series has got a, a kind of um, a weird title. And if you're from the South and you try to say this, y'all might go home thinking that I created a new word. So I'm going to try to say this so that it's like, oh, I understand what he's saying. So, Wanderer, and it's kind of like Wanderer. So, it was a song, an old um, country song, they called me the Wanderer, but this is, this is not that kind of Wanderer, maybe it is, because they wandered for a long time. But we're going to do a series called Wanderer, 
And it's just basically how the Israelites wandered for 40 years, just trying to find clarity and discipline to go forward and to go into the promised land that God had given them. I'm making sure my mic's on. It sounded a little bit off. So what is the book of Deuteronomy? Let me give you a little bit of history. So if you look at the entire book of um, Deuteronomy, do, do not let it confuse you, because basically it's Moses with many sermons. It's, it's many teachings, many sermons that the Lord is giving Moses that he is taking to the people of Israel. But there's a specific people of Israel because Moses' target audience is kind of like the second generation of Israelites since leaving Egypt. See, because Israel was enslaved in Egypt, right? Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt split the Red Sea, took them to do all sorts of things. And, and, and every time a, a miracle wasn't happened, what was the Israelites really known for? <laughs> grumbling. <laughs> it's, grumbling. That's exactly right. If, if they didn't see the, hands, the Lord's hand moving just then, they were really short-sighted. They, they got really, man, they just bickered and whined and complained. And, but when the miracle was happening, they were praising God. And, and the next thing you know, they start grumbling, and then a lot of fear happens, and what did they do then? Go back and run back to God, right? So that happened for years. So the, the book of Deuteronomy is Moses speaking to this second generation, saying, you can't, you can't forget what happened to your parents and your grandparents. This is your chance to get it right. This is your chance to get it right. Um, so it's a call not to make the same mistakes, pleading to choose life. Um, another point that I put down, this is a cool thing, is that, that Deuteronomy, I believe, is one of Jesus' favorite books. Why do you say that? Because Deuteronomy is the book that Jesus used to cast Satan away from him when he was being tempted after fasting. He, you know how he quoted the get away from me, use the word of God? Well, all that's out of Deuteronomy. Jesus is quoting the book of Deuteronomy to make Satan flee. So that makes it a pretty good book to me. So the name Deuteronomy, you know what it means? The second law. The second law. Because the Israelites had the first law. They, from, from Mount Sinai, they had this law that they just couldn't, they couldn't follow it. They couldn't follow it. So basically the word Deuteronomy means... Here's your second law. I like to say, hey, here's another chance. We're going to get to hear it again. So I'm going to read it just the way I wrote it down as I was studying for it. The name Deuteronomy means second law. It was the second giving of the Mosaic law, the first being at Mount Sinai. So just a few things. Where is this, where is this message taking place? On this side of the Jordan River. What do you mean, Paul? Moses is talking to the Israelites on the side of the river that's not the promised land. Now, they can look across the Jordan River and see what God's promised them, but they can't for some reason go into it. They haven't been able to have the faith to step into it. Forty years, 40 years they had roamed around this wilderness. Forty years, all back and forth, in wars, in battles, but they just couldn't accept and receive what God had promised them. So this scene, I want you to imagine that there's millions of people 
And there's these, these Israelites are just there. And Moses is giving this great proclamation, this teaching to say, hey, across there, that's where God promised for you. But guess what? God had told Moses already that he would never step in that land. Because of his doubt, because of his lack of standing up and leading the people, Moses never gets to step into the land that God promised him. So, at this point in Israel's history, in the threshold of the promised land and ready to adopt a true national identity, a true national identity. I think Moses is so passionate about speaking to the people of Israel, even though he's not, he knows that he, he knows when God says something, he knows it's going to happen. And God then told him and Aaron, y'all not, y'all not going to, y'all going to die with the rest of the, of the, of the first generation. You're not going into here. But Moses is so passionate about the people of Israel that he is preaching and he's letting God use him to speak to the next generation. Now, I want all of us to sit here and think about the next generation that we're living in today. I love it. That was, that was, that was time by God. I said next generation, that baby said, I buy. I love that. Barbara and I were sitting there last night and get a text that somebody had to be evacuated out of um, the Pineville Mall because there's a shooting, active shooter in Pineville Mall. You know, people's having to leave. How many times we hear about active shooters or we hear about people dying of overdosing or we hear about, or, or if you just drive the road sometimes. I know that yesterday there was a guy passed me on a double line right in front of Glencairn Gardens and he's waving in and out of traffic up through there. And, and if you ever stopped at a, you know, it used to be, you know, you'd stop at a yellow light because that means stop. You know, it means Nowadays, it's like two seconds after light's been red, you better be watching out, which, because there's a generation of lawlessness. This world can't tell me anything. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So we need to understand today, as God's Word's teaching us, that number one, His, His Word is sovereign. It's going to, he's going to do His plan. But we as the church, we can't point at that lawless generation and say man y'all just screwed up can I challenge us today as a church to dig into God's word and the Holy Spirit to be the change that we want to see can we be the change that we want to see in our city can we be that love and that grace can we be the ones who stop at the yellow light or either or file our taxes right or to live above reproach or to make sure that we detest sin and wage war against the sin in our in our own lives can we be that can we ask god to give us the strength to be that change because we may be Moses sitting there at the Jordan one day saying, there's what God promises. It came through Jesus for you, but you're not ever going to be able to see it because you're so messed up that you can't even understand the love of Jesus. So we have to be the change that we want to see. So let's read Deuteronomy chapter 1, 6 through 8, and then we'll get into the message. Deuteronomy chapter 1, 6 through 8. It says, When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the 
Amorites into all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and the Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it, for it is the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. So there's God's promise. All the way from Abraham. This is the land that God had promised. And Moses is reminding them of that. See, Moses' heart was very passionate for this new generation. And he knew that there had to be a new challenge. And I think that Moses had learned from some of his mistakes. He, he sometimes, I believe Moses may have been a little bit of a passive leader. It was hard to lead a people who are praising the Lord one day, then the next thing you know, they're wanting to go back into the bondage and the slavery that they were in in Egypt. So Moses is really passionate about speaking to this new generation. So the Lord passionately pled through Moses for his people to listen. So let's look at this. Deuteronomy 30, 19. What does this say? This is a great verse for you to write down and to read every day this week. This verse right here has messed my head up. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. How powerful a piece of God's word is that? See, we all have this choice. We get to choose life or we get to choose death. Oh, how God wants us to choose life. Amen. He is Patiently waiting and pleading for someone to just choose life. So we're going to hit a few points. Let's do three points. The first point that, that God had me to put down is that the people of God in the Deuteronomy in, the, in this time, they had an identity problem. The people of God had an identity problem. Well, what do you mean there? God's view of his people are blessed with an inheritance. Let me read that again. God's view of his people are blessed with an inheritance. But here's the problem. The people, the people's view of themselves were slaves and unworthy. God's view is that you're my children and I have an inheritance for you. The people's view is I'm still a slave in Egypt and I'm unworthy to take what God's promised me. Kind of relates a little bit to how we live life even today. God's view of us that has been washed in the blood of his son Jesus is that we're royalty and perfect in all ways. Our view of ourselves is last night's mistakes. Be careful not to fall into an identity of the world. Look at the one who saved you, and that's who you'll start looking like. Amen. So, 
The key to the Israelites' freedom inheritance was what? To have faith in their Redeemer. See, without faith, it is hard to understand and go forward when you can't see something. And the same with us. Sometimes we just have to faith, have faith to know that God is God and He is in control, even when we do not understand it. To have faith in their Redeemer. Faith in God will make you move when you can't see the end results. I can say that again. Faith in God will let you move when you can't see the end results. Faith in God will take a wanderer and give him direction. See, Moses was warning against a generational poverty. A generational poverty. Again, let's think about the world that we live in today. There are so many people, including me some days, that wants to default back to a generation of poverty. In how I think, maybe. In what I, how I handle things. See, if we're not careful, we will take on the same traits of earthly people that we've grown up around or we've seen on television or have been very influential in our lives. If we're not careful, we'll take on the same traits of our favorite baseball player or football player or the person that we put our eyes on a lot or the things that we put our eyes on a lot. It creates generational poverty that you have a, a spiritual sickness, a physical and a mental sickness that results in us having our eyes in the wrong place. We can be wanderers all so quick. And I was thinking about it, like, how, could, how dumb could these Israelites be? But then I got to thinking about my life over the last 40 years. I was like, oh, Lord God, how dumb have I been? Think about it. We can think that we're doing so great when in all actuality we are walking around in circles with no clear direction of where God wants us to go. And he says, I've promised you peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I've promised you all these things and they come through my son, Jesus. Number two is the people of God had gotten comfortable in their bondage. The people of God had gotten comfortable in their bondage. Everybody say comfortable. comfortable. You can be comfortable in something. But I find it that it's easier to get comfortable in bondage and comfortable in our ways because we're so afraid of change. And I think the Israelites were so afraid of change that they would rather be in the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt than to receive the promise that God had for them. People change when they are either inspired or tired of pain. You can write that down. That didn't come out of the scriptures. I'm just telling you, a decade of being a pastor has then taught me one thing. Change happens generally when there's inspiration from the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the pain has gotten so great that you're trying to stop doing it and fixing it on your own. Those are the two key factors that let people go into change. Pain is like God's megaphone, amen? The pain in your life is like God sitting there with this great big megaphone saying, hey, Paul, sit, be still. 
I love you. Change can be scary. It makes us uncomfortable and creates a God dependency. So don't, don't get mad at change when it happens. Because when things happen in my life after I've gotten finished kicking things around and blowing up like a blowfish and, and all the Paul stuff's over and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm tired of squirming, I finally do one thing. I look to God. And he says, I had something better anyway. You didn't have to waste six months of your life squirming around and screaming. I already had a promise for you, Paul. But you just have to sit still and know that I'm God. So what are the things in your life that have gotten comfortable and that needs to change? Maybe jot that down as we go through this message. What's, what's in my life that's comfortable? And let me define that a little bit. What is it in my life that you probably know needs to change, but with just a few phone calls, you can make it okay? I'm meddling now, aren't I? You know, when I didn't have money for the power bill and I made a couple phone calls and somebody gave me the phone bill, the power bill, When I didn't have this or I didn't have that and everything. See, I noticed in my life a lot of times when I didn't have something, I always looked to another man or woman to supply that need. Praise be to God, I'm starting to realize in my older years that when I'm lacking something, that I've only got one entity that can fill that void, and that's God. And as I trust him, guess what happens? My faith grows. Your faith will grow. As you trust God, your faith will grow. As you trust God, your faith will grow. As you trust God, your faith will grow. See, Jesus, he freed you from your bondage. He paid a high price for it. He gave up his life. He bled out on a cross. Jesus gave up himself so that you could have a promise of everlasting life. The question is, are you moving towards God's promises for that or are you just wandering around? Leads me into my third point. I want to make sure you guys are awake so everybody right now just go, like it's cold in here. Shake it off a little bit. Shake it off. It kind of gets your brain. If you're like me, you got to shake it. If you got this attention deficit disorder, I got it again now. Okay. It leads me to my third point. The people of God lack vision. The people of God lack vision. Now we're speaking of the Israelites because we're talking about the book of Deuteronomy. We're talking about a people who had wandered for 40 years. Do you know that the space of land, I got, I'm getting sidetracked again because I shook my brain. The area where they ended up having this little sermon and from where they began... If you were to walk straight there on foot, it's about two weeks. And they had wandered for 40 years. <laughs> the people of God lack vision. Without a dream or focus of where you're going, people will be content to stay where they're at. 
If you don't know where you're going, you'll do one or two things. You'll freeze and stay where you're at, or you'll walk around in a circle like a chicken with your head cut off. Y'all ever seen a chicken when you got a head cut You run around in circles. You used to chase my in all around the backyard when we were doing chicken day. I'm sorry, women, I didn't mean to go there. But I'm telling you, if you're a little boy, it's fun to watch chicken day. Because those chickens take off running. I don't want to be a chicken with my head cut off running around in circles. I want to be focused, clear, going towards the Lord and what he's got for me. But without a dream, without a vision that God has placed in what your purpose and called to do, you'll do one or two things. You'll stay still frozen or you'll be running around in circles like that chicken. Secondly, God-sized visions can't be obtained with human techniques. God-sized vision can't be obtained with human techniques. Stop trying. I want to say that again. Whatever you're struggling with, you can't stop on your own. Whatever God's calling you to do, you can't do on your own. If you can, leave it alone. I hope you heard that. Save you some time. Proverbs 29, 18 it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. King James Version. The people who have no vision will perish. But he that keepeth the law, Happy is he. That means the ones who is keeping their eyes focused on the Lord God understands what he has for them. And he does not have to follow the rules because God in all his grace and love will draw you into following him. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean following a bunch of rules. It doesn't mean when you mess up that you're screwed up. It means that you weren't good enough and God sent his son Jesus to do what you couldn't do yourself. That is worth an amen. I need it. But I tell you this, if you're a follower of Jesus and he continues to do that in your life, you will start taking on the identity of the one who is an ambassador for God. But it's a process. John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Everybody say abundantly. Woo, everybody jumped on that word. Like, Give me some of that, baby. <laughs> like, I'll take a little more of that. See, that ain't what he's talking about. That's just paper with ink on it. I promise you it will not be in heaven the way we see it. Abundantly means peace when you don't feel like there was any way you could ever have peace. Abundantly means to be able to turn and walk away when you think you've got to get the last word in. Abundantly means being able to forgive after someone continues to slap you in the face. Abundantly means being able to love the least of these. Abundantly means being able to hold each other up as a church family when one is hurting. Abundantly means to die to yourself to live for him. It's a total different definition than what the world says abundantly means. 
But you know what the good thing about abundantly is for us in our selfish worldly desires? Generally, when you live a life like that, the other stuff comes. If you're following God and letting go of what you most desire, more times than not, as you follow him, he'll be then placed back in your life what you desire a lot. You're like, oh, that's pretty nice to have toys like that. Or that's pretty nice to do this. He may not. He may. He may send you over into a part of the world don't have any power. You live in a shack. But if he does, I bet you you'll think it's the best thing ever. I'm just telling you that our God can do anything that he wants. And he just doesn't want us to be a wanderer. So I'm going to close it up. God didn't deliver you to be a wanderer. Living just to make ends meet. He called you to live more abundantly. See, God sent Jesus to do three things. He sent you to give you a new identity. What's your identity in? God sent Jesus to take you out of your comfort zone. Where are you comfortable? Where are you comfortable? God sent Jesus to give you a hope and a dream. Church, can I plead with you just for a second? And, and, and I'll be honest with you. After a dozen or so years of doing what I've done, there's some days that Barbara and I look at each other and like, what do we do next? We always, we're always praying every week, God, don't let us get comfortable. God, don't let us get comfortable. Father God, what do you have next? That's what we do as children of God. We're praying and we're asking God, God, it's your will, not mine. Don't let me get comfortable. But, but can I just encourage you to know that the God of this universe is not a respecter of people? He created every person in this room to be used in a unique manner. And if the enemy has come and he has your, he's stolen your vision or he's stolen the dream that's inside of you, would I challenge you to get into a life group that is a healthy life group where people can challenge you through God's word. They can challenge you with loving and, 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 and the structures of how God wants you to walk. Because here's the deal. That dream and that vision that God has for you is still inside. It's just been covered up by all of this world. And what God will start doing through the Holy Spirit is he'll start peeling this onion back one pill at a time. And it'll be scary and you won't like change and you'll want to run. But God, as long as you stay right there in his presence, he's going to constantly be peeling you back. He'll constantly be peeling you back. He'll constantly be peeling you back. And he's going to be peeling you back. You know it, don't you, Connie? You've done been in that two-year process. He's peeling you back. He's peeling you back. And all of a sudden, there's going to be a seed of pain that you've been covering up. And God said, that's where we're going to hang out and work. And if you trust me, I'll deal with that. And at that point is when you'll understand the vision and the mission that God has for you. And that's a fun place to be. So he gives you a hope and a dream. In order to experience this, you have faith. You stop wandering. You acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Without Jesus leading, everything else will be wandering. Amen? And lastly, that we have to just break camp and go. 
They had hung out at Mount Sinai long enough. God said, go. It's time for you to go. What are you saying, Paul? I mean, whenever you don't know exactly what to do, go do something if, in the name of Jesus. Well, I just ain't good enough. Well, guess what? None of us are. <laughs> well, I just don't know what to say. Many times I don't either. I just, I'm like, like what are you doing? I'm like, it's Jesus. I, what are you talking about? I, Jesus loves you. More times I get to evangelize in a hand up, and all I say is like, hey, you know Jesus loves you. That person looked at me like I got two heads. Well, why do you say that? Because he loved me and look at me. Don't you think he can love you too? Just go do something. That's when the work will start. And then people will start figuring out and showing you all their hurts and all their pains. And that's when we just hold tight to each other and let God change our lives. We're not, we can't fix people. But doggone it, if we can't hold on to them, why God does. And doggone it, if he won't change me why I'm holding on to somebody. And the next thing you know, the person I'm holding on to, God will be using them to fix me. <laughs> I love the way it works. So break camp and go. I hope, I hope as we go into this series, there's going to be a lot of challenging, exciting sermons and a lot of stories of how God uses his people. See, those Israelites, they ended up going over into that promised land. But one generation didn't get to see it. Church, can I challenge you? I'm, spe I'm specifically speaking to the 40-year-olds and above. Will you join me in making sure that the next generation knows who Jesus is? I'm not saying just say his name. I'm saying in explaining his love and his power and his majesty. And I know y'all are working hard at it. I know this group of people here. But what can we do to be even more potent as we're walking these streets, as we're in our job places, or to our neighbors, to find the, the 20 and the 30-year-olds and the teens and the, and the 7 and the 8-year-olds that can continue to be ambassadors to this lost world? Will you join me in that? And if you don't know exactly what to do, come hang out with me. We'll both not know exactly what to do. But I promise you this, we'll go somewhere and say, look, <laughs> Jesus, that messes people's head up. Ask Barbara, y'all think I'm joking. I'll be like, she's like, you talk to everybody? I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Jesus, can we pray together? We're going we're gonna to pray and then we're going to close in a worship song. We're just going to have a wonderful day and a little celebration. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you're so patient with us. Even in our wandering, God, you, um, you're so patient. The promise is there. And you're patiently waiting for us to take an act of faith and to step in what you've given us. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.